Yo, yo, yo. It's just a... Uh, um, oh, that was, that was good. Probably on about... You just pulled the gain. I was going to say maybe one and a half K, but... Yeah. Sorry? Okay, that's good. That's exciting. I'm going to sit, if that's all right, if everyone can see me. Cool. Got that? If you, yeah, there's the first slide. That's fantastic. For some reason, my controls aren't working. Surprise, especially when I want them to. That's awesome. Sorry, man? Well, it is, but this one has actually worked better than my Apple, which is... Well, this has controlled the service better than my Apple before, but just not right now. So that's okay. Oh, slide change error. Of course it is. Okay. Hey, everyone's got their tea and coffee that needs it? Fantastic. Very cool. Oh, Michael. It's always one. You can get your cup of tea, man. You can get your cup of tea. That's fine. And Daniel. That's right. Okay, we'll see how this goes. That might work. Yeah, it does. Okay. I don't even know what this... It doesn't tell me what the slides are, but at least it moves it. That's neat. Um, like I said before, I'm really excited that you're here. A lot of you have come because I, I asked you or I mentioned some stuff Friday or, or some other times. What's been inside me for a long time to do is, is get something structured that gives a basis to our volunteers and leaders as a church and, and gives a shared understanding of, of who we are. Um, this is a... I mean, this is, a, this is a model that's incomplete and, and on its own is extremely lacking and flawed to do it in this manner. Because the best way that you can ever understand something is hang out and catch it. And I recognize everyone in the room pretty much hangs out and, and that's really good. The best way that we, we do gain what's going on is by being connected and, and, and being around each other. Um, that's, that's one of the things. Uh, Pastor David and I have been talking about this just over the last couple of weeks, actually, one of the things that we did early on in our ministry was we were just always around. We were um, like a bad smell hanging out. And I, I know that's before David ever ran Children's Church, he was like a, a bad smell in the office. He was working a split shift, and, and Natalie still calls him a bad smell. And, um, <laughs> and, and he was working a split shift down at Calvary School, and so he had this four-hour gap in the middle of the day and so rather than go do anything else, he just decided the best place to be was hanging around the church and hanging around the office. And he got our database working right. He got our back-end systems all set up. And in the middle of that, God did something on the inside of him and God did something in a connection where he, he then stepped into running our, our children's ministry and um, has done that faithfully in, in a long capacity and now is, is back on, on our staff um, doing that. And I'm extremely grateful for what God's set up there and, and done inside him but a lot of lot of what we're talking about over these next few weeks he, he definitely caught by hanging out and so there's no substitute to hanging out but at the same time we've got to talk about what we're actually talking about what we're actually on about and, and so i'm really excited to do that one of the things like the few aims that i hope you get over the next eight to ten weeks i don't know how long it's going to take yet because you're my guinea pigs and, and this is the the guinea pig trial of putting this together so what we go through is not going to be the final format but it is going to have all the heart and the essence in it. 
And a few of the things you're going to get is, number one, you're going to understand the great salvation that we hold on to and understand the premise around that and the principles. You're going to know why our church exists. You're going to know um, what we believe, the unique features of our church, um, our purpose, and, and how you can fit in and partner with that purpose. And, and so that's something I'm, I'm really excited about. Some of you guys are sort of, maybe those words are going over your head a little bit already. Um, sorry for that. I'm going to try and make this as interactive as I can. I believe in doing workshop stuff, and so I want to workshop things a lot more. Tonight, on the premise of what we're doing tonight, it is a little bit more teachy and heady tonight than a lot of the other weeks are going to be. But that's just because what we're teaching tonight and, and talking about tonight is at the very core of who we are, and, and that's what it's going to be. So just a couple of things to launch off that. Obviously, we're talking now our Leadership 101 and, and DNA. Um, Ephesians 2.9, Paul writes this, You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's why we're doing this. This is who we are. This is our core identity. Um, this is our core identity as individuals and as children of God. And, and within that, and so that leads us to a few truths, that number one, the church is a family. And that's the basis, that's the, the core value and the core message that we hold as a church, is the church's family, and we'll talk more of that in coming weeks. Um, the second truth behind that is God expects you to be part of a church family. That's part of our function and part of our identity and who we are. Um, and, and that is really important to be connected with the church family. And you wouldn't be here unless you thought that was important anyway. And, and so that's already inside you. And so I'm just sharing some stuff that's already deep within you. And number three, that are Christians that operate without a church, well, really they're orphans. And it's, it's really important to be connected. And, and we believe vitally in the, in the power and the presence of the local, of the local church. Um, so, before we really get into some stuff, we're talking about our DNA tonight, we're just going to, I just want to be a bit more interactive. And so, spend 90 seconds thinking about the person next to you. Um, in a nice way. I'm going to tell you how you, I want you to think about them. Stop thinking about them like that. That's not very nice. And I, I want you to think for 90 seconds on, on who they are and how you would describe them. Spend 90 th- seconds thinking about the person next to you and, and gain some words. Yes. It doesn't matter. You choose. You choose. Okay. I will in a moment. It's okay. No, just you think about that. You don't really need a... It's not a, a big discussion activity. Yeah, it will get there. There's my pens. Thank you. I need people who can write. Right. You have two people who can write. Um, Liesl, thank you. So, Letha, you can have this side. Liesl, you can have this side. Um... Neither. You both got blue. 
pens. That's no indication of, of football. Okay, who can give me something about the person next to you? We're going to have to probably do this a bit schooly rather than hands up because I've got 30 odd people in the room. Give me a word that describes the person next to you. Okay, someone else? Old. Old. Okay, this side. Sorry? Legend. That side. Sorry? That's not a bad word, that's a descriptive word. Who else? Female. Salifa. Annoying? Mm, this side. That's, that's not a very nice word. Yep. 12 years old, Talitha. Charismatic, Liesl. Gullible, Liesl. David. Sorry, I'm not saying, I'm telling you what words. I'm not saying you're gullible. You missed the last one, charismatic as well. Do I need to get another scribe? No. And now you made me miss David. Where's my microphone man? I might need microphone man because I can't hear the people up the back. Okay. David. David up there. Sorry? Redhead. Okay. What I was going to say. I say determined. Determined. Liesl. Nice, Liesl. That's all right, it can break. Preacher, singer. Preacher, singer. Oh, now you've got me messed up with what they are. Hmm. More what side? You think it's this side? Okay, we'll go that side. That's fine. That's good. That's fine. You don't have to understand what's right. I do. Humble. Humble. Lisa. It's him. Um, tea drinker. Sorry? Tea drinker. A tea drinker. Yep. Mm, Talitha. Bringer of hope. Bringer of hope. Mm, that can go either one. Whoever wants to write it first. Any more? That's a nice thing to say about Nilsson. Beautiful. Um, Talitha. We had good. 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 Liesl. Okay. One more word. Lovable. Liesl. Liesl. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry? Yeah, no, it's fine. We've got to tighten that up and sort that out. That's right. Sorry? Thank you. Thank you. What I want to talk about tonight, there we go, in week one is this. We're going to talk about who is God. The first, this is going to be half of what the first session really is about. The first session is going to be about who is God, who we are, a big problem, a big solution, and how we respond to that. Um, but tonight, because I'm breaking this all down in, in half just so we can fit it into our Sunday nights, tonight we're going to focus on who is God. And, and the verse we're going to begin with is Genesis 1.1. I encourage you to bring along a Bible or a phone or have that ready to go 
on some things. I might try and give out verses rather than we read off here. Tonight we might just go up because we've got a fair stuff to go through. But Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, in the beginning, God. Because without God, there's no reason for us to be hanging out here. There is zero purpose for us spending the time together in the room because probably without God, we wouldn't like each other too much. We wouldn't gravitate toward each other too much. The reality is you probably would never have met some of the people in the room or any of the people in the room unless you went to the same school as you. I would never have met any of you because I wouldn't have moved down from the Sunshine Coast to connect in this place without God. And so we're only involved in each other's lives because of him. The fact of the matter is our church only exists because of him. Without him, we've got no purpose or reason. And so the very thing that we've got to talk about when we talk about why we are is we've got to talk about him. It's just like there's no point having a birthday party unless someone's born. Exactly. That's that's a irony. Thank you. Thank you for illustrating my point. And so one of the things that Jesus asked Peter at one point was he asked him, who is God? Who do people say that I am? And Peter came up with a whole bunch of answers and, and reasons. Um, So let me ask you, who is God? This is another talk time. So We could collate. We've got half a board there. We could collate a couple of ideas if someone wants. Where do you spend? Let's do this then. Spend, Spend 90 seconds talking to the person next to you on who God is. Go. Hey. Sorry? What's that? You want to write? No. You got something to say? Okay. Fish up on the sentence that you're on. I'm going to make you Some sentences are longer than others, lots of commas, including Nate. That's great. Okay, maybe share something that your friend that was talking to you just shared. Yes. God is light. And God is love. <laughs> All right. What else? You keep going. I've read no, it. No, shush you. I've read, I've read it already. Shush you. <laughs> Three in one. My apologies for my bad handwriting. He's ever present. Ever present. The great I am. God is perfect. Sorry? Perfect. Per, as in a cat. <laughs> I was about to say that. Alpha and Omega. The Good Shepherd. Powerful. Powerful. 
Our creator. It's a bicep. Our creator. Just. I don't have a picture for that. Omnipresent. Jealous. Omnipresent. Jealous. Some, some people I talk to say God is many. Some places we speak to say um, God is a cow. Um, some place. Uh, serious. A cow. Yeah, yeah. Many, many different thoughts. There's some thoughts in there. We'll go through what the Bible teaches and, and, and speak about what the Bible teaches tonight. I'm going to run through this and, and try and go through quick, but also try and go through slow enough that you know it and, and run through time. We've got one more. Go. He's the king of us. The king. Nice. We need that picture. Here we go. I, my handwriting stinks. I could be a doctor. That's easy to know. Um, one of the things that one of the things we won't talk about tonight, because there's a lot of good things on there, and there's a lot of things that are in the Bible um, on there, and, and we're going to talk about what God looks like in the Bible. Hey, lads. Um, and we know in the Bible, the Bible talks about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one God. And he is the same in all that. There's three different attributes of who he is, three different functions of how he functions within that. We're not going to talk about the different functions of the Godhead tonight, but the, the different functions, the reality is in each of those essences or, or identities or personas or, or persons of the Godhead, he's the same and he holds the same character and he holds the same thing. Tom... Can you do me a favor, man, and just switch to that table? Thank you, buddy. I love you, lads. That's tight. But I need you to work with everyone else in the room, so sweet. So we're going to be talking about a few things. Up here before, we wrote a couple of lists. And I, as you gave words, I tried to split them up. Some of them were a little bit more tricky than others. But as we describe... People And as we describe who we are, there's really a couple of different ways we do it. And when we talk about God, we, we tr- to get a good understanding of who he is, we split the lists about him up into two different things. This one over here we call... The essential characteristics or the essential attributes... And over here is what we call the moral attributes. Essential attributes is what we'll talk about first. What I'm talking about there, when I talk about the essential attributes of God, we're talking about what God is. And a lot of what we talk about what God is, we're talking about the way in which he's different to us and the way in which he's separate to who we are. Who we are. And um, I'm probably just needing to skip through a few things. Essential attributes right there. And so we're going to run through a, a few of these Tonight, if you grab hold of some of these in your heart, fantastic. I want you to, to hear this, let it permeate your spirit. But some of the essential attributes, that's not 
necessarily what I, I want you to carry home or I need you to carry home. Some of the moral attributes is what, as a, as a community, we really need to hold together and understand together. But these things are vital to a full understanding of who God is. And I, and I trust in the room that you guys can, can get this and understand this. The first one we're going to talk about tonight is this. God is spirit. God is spirit. Can I get someone in a, in a voice just to read that verse out so it's just not my voice all the time? in the spirit and in truth. Big voice, someone on that one. There we go. So God, the very first attribute, the very first essence of who he is is this, he's spirit. He doesn't inhabit a body. He's spirit. In actual fact, the Bible talks about him being the invisible God. When Paul rocked up at Ephesus, he found a statue to the invisible God, and he went, you guys understand, that's who he is. That's God. It, it, it's this aspect of him of, that um, Jesus talked about and said that he has no flesh and bones. You know, many religions, they have idols that they worship or statues to God or, or relics about something, but our God doesn't have any of that. And our religion doesn't have any of that. There's no relics that we carry. We don't have pieces of the cross, no matter what different churches around Europe might say. We don't have aspects of the shroud that covered Jesus. We don't have the rock that was in front of the tomb. We don't have all these things because we carry the essence of God inside us because he's spirit. The Bible will talk about that different parts where he's got hands and feet and head and that. But these are just analogies of how we relate to him. And so first and foremost, God is spirit. Second is this, God is a person. I'm not saying human. I mean, Jesus took on human form, but God, in his essence, is a person. He's spirit. But what that doesn't mean is he's not necessarily absent to us. God is a spirit, but he's also relatable. In actual fact, what he talks about in the Bible is that he talks to Israel and goes, I'm your husband. We're married together. We have the most intimate relationship possible that you can understand and get there. And so God is absolutely relatable whilst also being spirit. Number three is this, God is self-existent or or transcendent. Someone with a big voice. Man, he is a Above all things. He is beyond it all. He, he is over it all. He is, he is, there is nothing that created God. You know how sometimes you get a question, well, who made God then? He just is. He always was. He always will be. He exists by himself. In actual fact, everything else was created through him and for him. Next one is this. God is imminent. Which actually means he um, exists in all creation. Another big voice. Well done, buddy. Thank you. I love that love invades this place. The Spirit of God has made me 
the breath of Almighty gives me life. God is imminent. He invades his entire creation. He is inside us and part of us. He is in everything. He's aware of it. Now, some of the words that Tom was alluding to before. God is omnipotent. One of those really funky words or all-powerful. Another big voice. You guys ever heard the, the question, can God make a rock that is too heavy for himself to lift? Never heard that one? It's one of these philosophical questions that, that people put. God is all-powerful. There is nothing too hard for him. He can do anything. He is all-powerful. In actual fact, it's his, his own moral character in some ways limits that because he can do anything constrained by who he is and who he's chosen to be. Um, within that. And so that's where all these things interact with each other. They're not separate from each other. God is omnipresent. Is that the one you said before, Tom? He is everywhere. Am I only a God nearby? Declares the Lord and not a God far away. Who can hide in the secret place so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? At some point, here's a bit of homework for you. Go read Psalm 139. Because it just talks about the omnipresence, the omnipotence, and the omniscience of God. Psalm 139 says, Where can I hide from you, God? If I go to the highest heights, you're there. And if I go to the lowest depths, you're there. And and even in the quietest place, in the darkest place, even there your spirit will find me. It will search my heart and knows the deep things of my heart and my soul and my mind. God is everywhere. You can't hide from him. That's a comforting thought. An absolutely scary thought at times. There's times when we want to hide from him, but it's just, we, we just can't. And that leads us to the, the next omni. I must have put all of Psalm 139 in there at one point. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all things. Nothing in all creation can be hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, his omniscience, his foreknowledge, his foreseeing, foretelling, foreordained, everything, he he knows it all. It's one of these things. God knows all there is to be known. This is one of those aspects of God which we don't fully understand. Because as we come and talk about who God is, I know I realize something. I don't know everything. As much as I might act it sometimes, I don't. And this is one of those areas because God knows all things. But what is all things? Has everything that's going to happen, happened? And does he know that it's already going to happen, happened? Or has it not happened, happened, and he doesn't know what's going to happen, happen? And he only knows it as it happens, when it's happening. And has laid out plans for the future. But we, we don't really know, and I can argue both ways from the word of God, but he knows all that's able to be known. There's nothing that's hidden from him. And I love the fact that we don't have all the answers in there. God is, here's one of those other cool words, immutable. He is immutable, which means he is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, 
today and forever. Our God is immutable. Our God is eternal. You know, we're going to live forever. God has created us to be, to live for eternity. But we're not eternal. We had a defined beginning. Who created God? No one. He always was. And he always will be. He is the only eternal being. And God is limitless. There's no beginning or the end to him. Somebody before said he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. There is no beginning and the end to who he is. David, oh, who have I got there? Matt, there's a pile of sheets of paper on the back up there. Can you get them and pass them out? Because we're just going to do a little bit more interaction now. And um, rather than put all those things up on the board. Sorry? Pens. Oh, I don't know if we need the pens. That's all right. I want you to... Um, you've talked to the person next year, so let's do a little bit of moving so you're a bit active because I want to go through the, the moral ones. I want you to go find two or three other people. Actually, before you do that, here's some sheets of paper. Have a look for 90 seconds and have a think on how these aspects of who God is would affect how he relates to us or affect how we relate to him? How would the natural or the essential attributes of God influence how he relates, relates to us or influence how we relate to him? Maybe, maybe we do need pens. So maybe people want to circle something or write something on there. Um, I'm not going to give you like, handouts and things to take home with this one too much. We're going to stick it online and make it accessible um, so that the information that you need and to understand these things is, is easy accessible. Um, sorry? I'll put them up. These have some verses, and, and I'll add some extra verses to them to look at. Um, but we haven't got to the stuff that I really want you to hone in on yet. Um, what's the question? Where does God live? Heaven. Some things I do know. He also lives in my heart. He also lives in your heart, hopefully. Amen. So if you've thought about that, why don't you go find two or three other people and share those thoughts with them. And um, might mean some moving around, which is good. I'm happy to, for a little bit of this, I'm going to give you two or three minutes to discuss that. So how these things affect how God would relate to us or we would relate to God. Maybe there's one or two that stand out for you. Sorry? The question? You're looking at the natural or the essential attributes of God and thinking about how they affect how we relate to God or how God would relate to us.
I'll give you another 90 seconds on that one. I'll give you another 90 seconds. Okay, finish up on the sentence that you're on. And again, most sentences don't have that many commas. So, if you haven't got it by now, I want you to think. And consider and, and take this for yourself. In the interest of time, we're not going to collate that. Because I'm more interested in you just having a thought and, and thinking about this and discussing this stuff and, and recognising this. Um, so that's really neat. I want to go on and, and talk about the other board now is, is the moral attributes of who God is. So we just spoke about what God is. And now I just want to talk about who he is. The God we relate to and, and the essence of his nature. And, and the, the difference between these things is, is all about his nature and his, his essence, the essential attributes. We can't grab hold of most of that stuff. In actual fact, all of that stuff we can't grab hold of and become. These things, though, God wants for us to become these things. And he longs for us and he has actually made a way for that to happen. And someone mentioned this before when we asked who God is. And it's in, in front of you there. On your things. God is light. God is light. And if you've hung out with us for long enough and hung out with Pastor Bruce at all, um, you understand that this is the base knowledge of who he is. The core essential attribute of who he is. Or light, what does light mean? It means God is holy. It means he is pure. It's the purity of light. Like all the spectrum of light coming together, his glory his, his fullness of, of who he is in, in separation. Um, do we have a big voice on that one? That's one of, the, one of the attributes of this. God is light. And one of the core things I want you to go away from here, and I want you to be able to understand, and I want you to be able to share with others, because this stuff isn't just for you. This is stuff to get inside you that you can talk to somebody else. So when God asks you who God is, one of the things you can say to them is God is light. And what does that mean? It means he's pure and next to him no darkness can exist in his presence. Where he is there can be no darkness. He is light, purity. He is holy, separate. He is the best that possibly could be. In that. Number one thing about God to understand, that presents us with some problems. Number two thing, I think this was mentioned as well, God is love. God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God. Same book, John, the person on this earth who walked closest with him. Because God is love. This could be said to be the essential attribute of everything of who God is. 
the deepest essence of who he is is love. It permeates and drives everything he does. In actual fact, the reason you're here is because of this. The reason you exist at all is because of this, because God is love. And in himself decided that there was so much love caught up that he wanted some people to share that with and wanted a family to share that with, and so he made us to be his children so that we could experience and know his love and we could be his love and reflect that. God is light. God is love. God is good. God is One dude came up to Jesus and, and said to him, Hey, good teacher. He turned around and said, Hey, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. God alone is good. In actual fact, he's nothing but good. Anyone ever been asked the question, If God's good, why did he make the devil? Let, let me help you understand something with that. A lot of people think that good and evil is a spectrum. They think that you can be somewhere on here, somewhere along this line, you exist. You might exist there if you're a really nice person and you give things to the poor. Maybe you're someone that that picks on all the people around you and is there. And we think maybe Hitler's down here. Mother Teresa, well, she's doing pretty well. She's up there. And we have this idea that it's sort of a spectrum that we're on, good or evil. The reality is evil is no construct. We think evil is a thing. And people talk about evil being a thing. God created evil. No. Evil just means there's no good. Good is the essence. Evil means good is not there. So it's like this bottle of water. My bottle of water can either be full, good, or empty. When there's no water, the absence of water becomes what evil is. Not that I can fill my water up with good, or I can fill it up with evil, or I can fill it up with a bit of both and mix it around. I've either got good, or I don't have good. So the devil is the absence of good. Not a construct on his own evil. Right. Yep. Exactly. It's where God is light. He's pure. He's good. So it's one of these questions where people try and compare oranges and apples and it doesn't work. God is light. God is love. God is good. The fourth thing I want you to understand, the final thing I want you to be able to take away and share is God is fire. or righteousness. Hebrews 12.29 says this, Our God is a consuming fire. You know, all these things God wants us to be. John said, love like God loved. I want you to love like God loved. He also taught us, be holy, or Peter said, be holy as he is holy. Or God said, be holy as I am holy. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit in our life. 
Likewise, righteousness is a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This is something that the Spirit of God produces in us. Righteousness is this. Righteousness is the fact that justice has to happen. The righteousness and the fire of God. Imagine What does fire do? Burns. You, you know that one, don't you, Daniel? So does hot glue. <laughs> but fire burns, and, and the fire of God burns up everything that doesn't fit inside his light. And so these things all exist together. A couple more things that, that are good about God and essential about God or is or moral about God is God is mercy. Your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the clouds. God is extremely merciful. It's boundless and everlasting. And this inside us, he wants us to be the same. God is wisdom. If you're lacking in wisdom, the Bible says just ask and he will do it. He is wisdom and, and he, everything he does is wise. Everything he does is right. Everything he does is true. There is nothing he does which is wrong. You know, some people will argue with God. How dare you do that? You're not allowed to do that. But everything he does is wisdom. God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we confess, for he who promised is faithful. You know, you can trust every promise in the Bible. You can trust every word of the Bible because God is faithful. I want you to spend... You've got your list there. They're the moral attributes. They're the ones I want you to know and take away and have inside you. Like I said, I'll get this up online. But this leads us to big questions. And one of the questions we come across over and over is why? 90 seconds. Have a look at the moral attributes of God and see if you can come up with a question, maybe something that you've heard from someone, maybe a, a question someone would have about the reality of God or the existence of God based on those things. Let me give you an example of what I mean. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, why, why is the world like it is? Or why is there evil things that happen in the world? This is one of those questions I get all the time. Have a look at there. 90 seconds, have a think, and then... Yeah. And uh, once you've formulated a question, why don't you go and share that with someone else?
Now, I'm going to give you another 90 seconds to talk about that. Okay, finish up on the sentence that you're on. You're going to be done by 7.30. Cool. Hey. So I hope you come up with a lot of good questions there. Good, because, and I've heard a few, which is really neat. Um, Because in essence, if we don't take the fullness of who God is, this is where we get ourselves in trouble. Because if we even take the question I posed to you, how can we believe in an all-loving God? Or, or if, if God is all-loving and all-powerful, why is the world like it is? Well, if God is loving but not all-powerful, we can understand that. Because it means that he totally sympathizes, but he just can't do anything about it. If God is all-powerful but not all-loving, well, we can understand that too. Because it just means he's cruel and really mean. But if he's all-loving and all-powerful, all of a sudden we have a, a dilemma on our hands because why does things happen like it does? And, and, and why God? Why God? Why God? And that's where we need to understand God is light, that he's pure, and that God is also fire, that he's righteous, and that anything outside him deserves judgment. And these are attributes of, of the fullness of who he is. So we need to understand it all in its fullness for that. Jesus actually asked the question. We're okay to ask the question of why God? Because Jesus on the cross actually sat there and said, why, Father? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me alone? And it's like he cried out for all humanity at that point, why God? And so having the question of why is okay. Um, but one of the things we're instructed to do in the Bible, and I don't have it in there, that's all right, um, Peter asked this, always be prepared with an answer for those who ask. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared with an answer for those who ask. So, as we end tonight, we're left with this question. His very nature makes it impossible for anything evil or corrupted or tainted to ever come into his presence. His very nature... And so that leaves us with a problem. And so next week we'll talk about that problem and talk about our big problem. We'll talk about who we are. We'll talk about our big problem. We'll talk about God's big solution and understanding in that. But the first thing about who we are as a church is it's all about God. He is light. He is love. He is good. He is fire. That's the things I want you to know. That's the things I want all, all the leaders in our church to know. All the people that are influential in our church, I want us to know that and be able to talk about it and recite it. 
and, and share that. Father, we're grateful for who you are and because of who you are, who we are. And Lord, as we exist, we have a whole bunch of questions. We have a whole bunch of questions that, Lord, we don't actually have the answers to. And as we look at who you are, we realize that we don't know what we don't know. And there's a whole bunch of aspects where we try and get our heads around it, but you're so much bigger and, and who you are and, and what you are is outside our limited knowledge. And so we ask to know you more deeply in the capacity that we can, but also to love each other that we can know you more deeply in that aspect too. And ask that your nature and your morality be formed inside us by your spirit. We just receive your spirit and just ask to be transformed more and more into your likeness and into your goodness. Father, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you. Thank you so much for coming out and being part of this. And um, I hope there was something significant in there and, and useful in there. I hope it gives it equips in a way. And I encourage you to join us for the journey over the next eight weeks. I'm going to aim at eight weeks. And I promise you, this is probably the most heady of it all. This is the most teachy of it all, and I'll try and make the rest more interactive. I, I definitely want that. Um, because I want it to be stuff that's not just wrote and you learn and that, but stuff that we live and apply. But in who God is, it is so vast and so great, I had to dig into that. And um, amen. God bless. I know people have questions. If you do have questions and you want to chat to me about it, do that. Uh, if you don't chat to me tonight, write it down. Send a text, send an email. Um, Facebook message I'll get to probably after two weeks. Uh, it's my slowest form of communication. And <laughs> etc. Um, yeah. Or ask somebody else. There's a whole bunch of people in the room that have good answers and understanding. So, yeah, good. Amen. God bless. Goodbye. <laughs>